When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Tuesday morning, Eagles fans. It's two-week Tuesday, meaning two weeks until the NFL draft. Feels like we've been waiting about two years. It just uh, Oh, man, you're right. Silly season. It's wearing on me, Jody. Wearing it, on me. On, on all of us. Uh, it just crawls up. Once you get into draft mode, it can't get here. So you want it to be 24 <laughs> hours later. And you look up at the calendar and realize, oh, shoot, we got two months before we get there. <laughs> well, we're down to two weeks before we get to the draft. And we got two good draft guests coming your way that I'll give you a, a details on in just a second here. Uh, but I do want to start with draft talk today, J-Mac, because it is the two-week marker. And I need your take on what this draft is to the Eagles. And we sit here every day and talk about what Howie Roseman's going to do. Is he going to trade up? Is he going to trade back? We know he's going to try and trade because that's how his MO always has been, probably always will be. And if you're grading him on it after the fact, he's been pretty damn good at doing it. So we all expect it. But until he does it, we don't know what he's going to get done or how he's going to get it done. So we have to have a conversation, hypothetical as it is, about where the Eagles picks are as of right now. So we know they've got two first round picks at 10 and 30. They've got their own second and third, no fourth, fifth, 
uh, or sixth round picks and then two sevenths. So we believe that the Eagles will make moves and change those numbers before the draft gets underway uh, two weeks from today. But if you just look at the picks that they have, people like to throw around the phrase um, uh, that it's a luxury pick. Last year, the Eagles took a couple luxury picks. I, I just have a problem with the use of that word. It sounds a little flippant to me. I'd rather use the word uh, depth pick. It's a depth pick, someone you're not expecting to step in and play in year one, be it either as a starter or as a significant uh, shuttle-in guy. Some positions lend themselves to guys getting partial playing time because they use different guys at that position. Uh, I, I, I don't like the use of the word luxury pick. Now, it can turn out to, quote, unquote, be a luxury pick. And that's exactly what happened with the Eagles last year with their second and third round picks. They didn't have to play them much at all. Oh, they're going to be asked to play this year. They're going to be asked to step in and play. So how much is it a luxury if they just sit for one year? Red shirt a year. Do you have as big a problem with the use of the word luxury pick as I do? I mean, I don't have a problem with the word because to me, it's all about, all right, what does it mean in the context of the draft? So people just use it as a term. You just used it as a different definition, which is, you know, that's the definition. It's a depth pick. Uh, So that's when people say luxury, that's what they mean. They mean he's not going to play right away. Um, And, you know, the draft is about more than one year especially with the smart teams. And I consider the Eagles in that category. Um, And I've yet to meet the fan, which is kind of ironic. I've yet to meet the fan that isn't in the moment for a particular draft. Like they're not thinking about 2024, certainly not thinking about 2025, which is ironic because, you know, and, and we always use the Sixers as a best example i always say they broke the cities everybody's talking about the future but then the draft comes around and it's never about the future it's about i want this i want this toy i want this um and eagles are very disciplined and you know i think jalen the jalen rager pick really was a sort of a demarcation line for howie roseman in a lot of ways um because he didn't want to take that pick and, and, and a lot of people don't believe it uh, because, you know, everybody wants to run from that pick and you want to blame somebody else. And I believe me, I had a lot of those same thoughts. Uh, but o- over time, it's pretty clear he didn't want to take Jalen Rager. And it's true. Um, and the coaching staff wanted him. Um, and, and he sort of demurred to the coaching staff and a player they wanted that they thought that they could fit, he could fit the scheme really well. And it was at that point where he kind of said to himself, you know what, if I'm going to get crap for these picks, I might as well take these picks and, 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 you know, put, put your foot down good or bad. Um, And that's what he's sort of done. And even, even even when you talk about Andy Weidel leaving and replacing him with essentially uh, he didn't replace him um, um, from an assistant sort of GM perspective, Andy never had that uh, title, but that's what he was essentially. Um, and he replaced him with, you know, guys with with 
backgrounds and analytics and a guy with uh, a, a background in football compliance, not personnel guys. That's not, you know, he's got a personnel department, but obviously, and they're very important, but he wants everybody to know this is my pick. This is my pick. And all these picks will be how we, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Back in the old days, is that a chip pick? Is that a, how we, what is that? Um, even when Joe Douglas was here, was that Joe, a Joe Douglas guy? Is that a Howie Roseman guy? No more. These are all Howie Roseman picks for good or for bad. So if you want to rip them afterwards, rip them. If you want to laud them afterwards, laud them. Um, but uh, getting back to your original point, I want to open the uh, uh, wormhole already. Uh, the, the term to me means depth pick. So, you know, if you like that phrase better, use that phrase. But, you know, how he, does, how he says it all the time, you know, today's luxury is tomorrow's necessity. Exactly. And it happened really, really quickly with Landon Dickerson, who was a luxury pick um, at the time. And all of a sudden, he's in there pretty quickly off a torn ACL in his rookie season, turning out to be a really good player. With Cam Jurgens, it, it worked out as a bit of a luxury because he didn't have to play right away. Um, and he might not even have to play this year, to be honest. We'll see how things shake out uh, in the draft if they add another body. Um, but, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's all about definitions, and that's sort of what it means in the context of the draft. Uh, um, and the good teams are always serving those two masters. The Eagles want to win now. They know the window's open, so they want to win now. But if the better player – is a, is a bit more of a project. They're they're not going to go down the Jalen Rager route anymore. Here's here's how I would split the difference and tell you why I like the use of the word depth over luxury. A luxury pick to me would be if you take a player in the first round. That's key there, first round, and he plays a position where you've already got an entrenched starter. Yeah, that's a luxury pick. Once you get to the second round, there are no more luxury picks. There are only depth picks like Dickerson, like uh, Beef Jerky, like uh, N'Kobe Dean. Those aren't luxury picks. Those are depth picks. And, yeah, sometimes depth picks because of injury are called on to jump up and play that first year. You don't know it. You kind of root against it. But if necessary, you have to be able to plug them in. You have confidence that you'll be able to do that and plug that right back in. Do you take a luxury pick in the sixth round? Where, where do we cut off luxury picks? If we're using the word luxury pick, where do we cut it off after the first round? After the second? I'll buy after the first, but anything after that, that's uh, BS. That's what, um, that's what the draft is about. Picking depth for guys who might not be penned in as a starter in year one, but at some point you believe they can step in and start for you. I, I would say uh, day three, there's no more luxury picks. You know, everybody wants contributors. NFL teams call them premium picks. That's what they call first through third round. They want those guys to be contributors. Um, they want, you know, if you want to go first and second round, they want those guys to be starters. They want them to be starters. Doesn't always work out that way, but that's the goal. Um, so, I mean, Jalen Hurts would be the most obvious example. Yeah. Cam's, Cam's a, 
Jalen Hurts, make no mistake about it, this is all revisionist history from the Eagles' standpoint. He was the definition of a luxury pick, the very definition of a luxury pick in the second round. Everything else, everything from then is revisionist history if the Eagles are trying to spin it or anybody's trying to spin it in another direction. They had no intention of moving on from Carson Wentz. Ian Rappaport, by the way, was just on last week on somebody's show, and I apologize because I can't remember, talking about the combine last year when the rumors were just going nuts that the Eagles were about to acquire Russell Wilson or really making a push to acquire Russell Wilson. Uh, Obviously, Russell never opened that door, never agreed to come to Philadelphia. Everything is revisionist history. He was taken as a cost-effective backup at a position they consider very important. Yep. But he was the definition of a luxury pick in the second round. So is Cam Jurgens. You know, as long as Jason Kelsey is there. Definition. You want, but long-term, and again, it, it just depends on the definition. I'm giving you what NFL people define these picks as. You know, premium picks, one, two, three. Um, luxury picks. He's not going to play right away. That's all that means. That's all that means. He's not going to play right away. Aaron Rodgers was a luxury pick when the Packers had Brett Favre for three stinking years. Jordan Love, same thing. Same thing. And he'll probably be your quarterback two decades from now after he becomes a Hall of Famer. If things hold up. If things hold up. I'll cover that action for you, Jay. Yeah. If things if things hold up in Green Bay and their horseshoe up there, you know what continues. Um, but that's all it means is the guy's not gonna play right away. And 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 with first round picks, especially top fifteen, the Eagles are top ten. Generally, usually, you want those guys to be starters right, right away. That's where I I got no problems with the use of the word luxury. You use a, a top half of the first round of the draft pick for a guy who you know is going to start the next year as a backup. Oh, that's a luxury. That no question about that. But Kobe Dean in the third round wasn't a luxury pick. He was a depth pick. And, oh, by the way, they come calling year number two. Not only does he have to step in, but he's going to have to step in and be big time in his second year because the Eagles let two starting linebackers walk out the door. So uh, you go from depth pick to you better be able to play at a very high level in a very short period of time. Uh, that's the, I know. They're yeah, just I think to be honest, Jody, I think the definition is more about the guy in front of you or the guys in front of you than the case of, 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 of Nicobe who didn't have, you know, TJ's a very good player, but he wasn't, you know, in Trent, like Jason Kelsey's going to the hall of fame. Uh, Carson Wentz was, um, you know, just given the largest franchise, the contract in franchise history. Uh, it's more about the guy in front of you. I just brought up uh, Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre, uh, obviously Hall of Famer. Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Famer. It's more about the guys in front of you or the guy at at a certain position. And at linebacker, the Eagles didn't have entrenched. It worked out. You know, TJ played really well. Kaiser White held his own. Kobe basically never saw the field because those guys – didn't allow him to get on the field, but 
they they you know if they shat the bed so to speak um he would have had an opportunity to play so it, it's to, it, to me it's but more about the guy in front of you oh, like if the ahead. eagles take if the eagles take peter skaronski and you know he he might start at right guard but they will be taking him to be the heir apparent to lane johnson because lane has at least said he's thinking about two more years um you know it, it it's about it's about the guy but, in but front here, here's of the question to that if they had re-signed isaac sayamalu is there any chance they're taking skoransky at 10 no no well then uh, he's not a luxury pick if he's got a chance to step in and start year one, and he's going to be given the chance to compete for the right guard spot, which opened up because Isaac went elsewhere, then that removes the luxury tag for me. No, he's got a chance to start. If Beef Jergy goes in there and it's better with a year under his belt, NFL experience, and they decide to go that way, and he ends up sitting, well, that's one thing. But if you've got a chance to step in and start year one, it's not a luxury pick. If you know that you got two starters and the only way this guy's going to see at the field is if somebody blows out a knee, then, yeah, that's a luxury pick to me. I, I know I'm in a semantical debate with myself, but it just rubs me the wrong way when people call uh, luxury picks, which are actually only depth picks. Uh, that It's kind of uh, like, like you're throwing the pick away, and I just don't – Agree with that. So uh, I got I got I got that off my chest every once in a while. There's a term or a phrase that is used by the NFL, which does just doesn't compute with me. So that's the way uh, yours truly uh, defines it. Um, you don't think you you call it what you want. Luxury pick, depth pick. Uh, do you think there is any chance the Eagles go with the John McMullen definition of luxury pick in the first round? At number 10, number no. 10. No, um, yeah, you just don't. He, he, that's too valuable, uh, too valuable a pick, and that's what Howie's about is about value. You know, not only getting a good player, but getting a good player at a right spot. Like right. you know, there are many players you can go down every draft that turn into Pro Bowl players, All Pro players, whatever. Second rounders, third rounders. And you would say, in theory, from a you know vacuum standpoint, well, if you would have taken that guy at 10 overall, it would have worked out. Russell Wilson, maybe the best example. The Eagles, you know, for years wrung their hands. I just they're still talking about it last offseason. Oh, we wanted Russell Wilson. We're right there. We had right. Well, you didn't want him that bad enough because you could have taken him in the second round and it would have worked out just fine. Right. Could have taken him in the first round, it would have worked out just fine. But from Howie's perspective, that would be a bad pick, even if he turned into Super Bowl uh, 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 winner and, and and Pro Bowl quarterback that he did because he didn't have to take him in the first round. And he could add somebody else and taking him in the second round on top of it. And then you have two play. So he's he's almost at times too focused on the value he's got to match the spot um and 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 you can get in trouble sometimes but typically i think over the long haul it's the right way to go and you're going to make more good decisions than bad decisions by going down that route but there's the occasional player and i'm going to rename this show Bijan 365 
and everybody uh, who who wants Bijan Robinson, um, you know, and and you get in the chat room. No matter how many times I say it, he's a blue chip player. He's a great player. He's a great player. The Eagles aren't going to take him at number ten. It's about the Eagles' philosophy, the Eagles' scheme, the Eagles and what they believe. Not about what John McMullen believes. It's not about B. John Robinson. They are not taking him at 10. You, Period. You and, I, you and I agree on that. Where you and I uh, split, and we're going to get our buddy D. Gun up here in a second. Um, I think it's absolutely fair after the fact to be able to go back and say, no, it, it, that should have been done there. And now, despite what, quote unquote, the mocks, the projections, whatever else. If you took Russell Wilson in the first round back in the year that he was in the draft, I, I don't think you can say, well, but that wasn't a good value pick. I think once the evidence is in, that's what you judge off. Not what you were projected to go at. It's by what you actually do on the field. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying, Jody, I'm saying in Howie's mind. In Howie's mind, it wouldn't uh, then be. Then Howie's good pick. wrong. It well, it 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 makes sense from the standpoint. Everybody, there's a best player in every draft, every draft, and it might be a fourth rounder. I always bring up John Randall because I covered him. He wasn't drafted, and he's in the Hall of Fame, so he should have went in the top five, if 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 minimum. And, and I'd have to look back at the draft. Um, but when you're a Hall of Famer, it's pretty. You should have went pretty high. Um, but if you would have taken him top five, top ten in that moment. You would have been as a GM and should have been fired. Now, it, 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 that's a, an extreme example, but because it rarely ever happens. And the draft was 12 rounds by that. Think about that, Jody. Draft was 12 rounds back then. Nobody drafted the kid. He's in the Hall of Fame. That's extreme, but it's an example. Sorry, that's not a good pick. Even though we turned into a Hall of Famer, if you took him at top 10 in that moment as a GM, you're a moron. No, I, I would say I, I would say all the, the general managers who didn't take him were morons. So that general manager who does take him shouldn't be fired because everybody else proved out to be a moron. I, I judge the results. I don't judge the moment in the moment and overreact to it. When you when it goes forward and you got two, five, eight, ten years to judge, that's what you judge on. That's life. That's the real world. And I think that uh, more emphasis should be put on that than what everybody thought at the moment. All it was was a thought. All it was was an evaluation. And then reality happens and we can actually find out how good or bad a player is. And that's what you should be judged on in 2020. Yeah, but what does reality become? And we got to get the D gun. What does reality become? He gets into a certain situation. He gets into an organization known dating back to the days of Alan Page for developing defensive linemen. They gave him an opportunity as an undersized 260-pound guy. They developed him. He got to play behind, you know, Keith Ballard and, and, and Henry Thomas and Pro Bowl-level players and get to learn from them. He could have went to – Freaking Tampa Bay had been awful. It'd been out of the league in two years. So, no, Jody, it, that it's would more, be, that it's, would be there's Tampa's more nuance. choice, and that general manager could be fired. The Minnesota general manager couldn't. If he took him in the first round, and he was behind those guys, and it was set up to be as effective as it was. Well, then, yeah, guess what? Nice pick. Good job, buddy. 
You're keeping your job. You're getting a raise. He he didn't pick him, and and there's way more nuance than just, you know, he turned into a Hall of Fame player. He was yeah. a, he was an undrafted nuance rookie. is great in the moment. Nuance is useless five ten years down the road after it has played itself out. You could actually judge the results. Nuance goes out the window. The goal is to, the, the, the goal the is to not to hit the lottery once. It's to be consistently good over a long period of time. Derek Gunn from the Sports Take, our uh, afternoon show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, is going to jump in next. Always respect D-Gun. I respect everything about D-Gun, but I've always respected his uh, ability to judge the draft. We got a lot of draft questions and eagle questions in general. For D-Gun, next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. You're Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, and we got one of our own to join us from Sports Take Afternoons here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. 
Derek Gunn, good enough to jump in with us here on Birch 365. How you be, D-Gunn? Good, guys. How you doing today? Good, D-Gunn. Good to see you. Um, I need you to do something for me. Um, Wait, let me just say this, though. Uh, I'm kind of <laughs> disappointed that you uh, that you asked me to jump on because I, I was enjoying the debate between you two so much. Oh. I was like, let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> you, you got things to do. You got uh, stuff to take care of today. We're not going to make you sit in the green room for yeah. a half an hour. We probably no, we probably we probably kept you in the green room too long. So apologies <laughs> there. Don't worry uh, about that. Gun. Uh, silly season. We're two weeks out. Yeah, I, I need you to stop or or throw fuel on the fire. Yeah. But here are the two things driving me crazy. With the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and Jody and I were just talking about Howie Roseman. He, mm -hmm. Nobody knows his sort of belief system better than D. Gunn. Mm -hmm. B. John Robinson at number ten, and the Eagles trading for Devin White. I, I, I what, mm -hmm. what, what? what uh, help me. I will tell you this: uh, they will not take a running back at number ten. We can stop that that nonsense now. As far as Devin White, uh, from what I was told was. As much as they would like him, they don't have the money to to pay him eleven million right now. You still have that big cloud over you that you've got to pay the quarterback. And the way they base it now is they did just enough in the offseason to fill a need on the back end of the defense that they wanted to fill, and hopefully they can fill some other areas strategically with youth. Um, and I know this debate about Bijan has been going on for a long time. As far as I know from what I've been told, they're not looking at a running back in the first round, you know, uh, because they feel they have other needs. And as we know, if they stayed at 30th, don't be surprised. And I've said this a number of times, if they took an offensive lineman, this team historically in recent years feels that they, the best way to build their team is from the inside out, meaning in the trenches, whether it's on the offensive side or the defensive line in the trenches. They're always looking for another good, versatile, cross-trainable offensive lineman, and there's a, a several of them in this draft that could slide all the way down the board because of other teams' needs. As far as the running back situation goes, their method, even go back to Doug Peterson's era, their method is tried and true that if you have the right offensive line, that you don't need an elite running back to have a successful running game. You know, they like their running backs by committee. And you look at a lot of successful teams across the NFL. You know, the 49ers are a team that runs the ball by a committee. Baltimore's a team that runs the ball by a committee. You know, it just, it just, they don't put that premium on taking an elite back at number five, number seven, number 10. Um, and especially when you consider that this team this year, lost their top five tacklers on defense by way of free agency, you've got to replenish the cupboard. You have enough veteran presence there to be a good defense. And if you can add another elite player, and when I say elite player, a player that can give them help now, on the, and I'm not here convinced 100% it's going to be a D lineman or a, a linebacker or a linebacker. I'm just saying if you get whatever player they pick, and I'm, I'm believing they're going to go defense again, especially where they are. He's got to be able to be somebody you can plug and play. Now, th that player will have the luxury of learning from a Fletcher Cox, from, from a Milton Williams. There's enough presence there to help them get over the hump, but I expect to see them play a lot more snaps than Jordan Davis did a year ago because of the personnel they had in front of Jordan Davis when he was drafted. All right, D-Gun, I got one more B. John question for you, and I know yeah. B. John's driving Johnny nuts, but uh... – <laughs> 
I know that a pre-draft visit is just that. It's a visit. It doesn't yeah. compel them to do anything. Right. And you get 30 pre-draft visits, and as of right now, the Eagles only have six picks. So you can't just pick everybody who comes in for a pre-draft visit. Right. You do it for a reason. The only running back that the Philadelphia Eagles have brought in for a pre-draft visit is B. John Robinson. Why would you even do that if you say, listen, uh, we got number 10. We're not going to take him anyway. He's not falling down to 30. Why would you use one of your pre-draft visits on a player that uh, both you and John say there is no chance whatsoever he ends up as a Philadelphia Eagle? They still like to cross the T's and dot their I's. They need to talk to every player they can in a one-on-one basis to get a get a better grasp on the personality. And let's face it, you know, thirty bringing in thirty players is a lot of players to bring in, and and they do it to do their due diligence. I don't think it would happen. But what if a player they really like somehow slips to the second or the third round, i.e., the Kobe Dean, who everybody projected as a top twenty-five pick, and all of a sudden he's still sticking there in the second or third round. Well, then that's a better value pick for them at that particular spot. They want to make sure they have a good understanding of what he's not. They already looked at the film. You know, when they bring these players in, it's not about the film. It's about that one last physical. It's about sitting across the table from them, getting to know them as a person, getting to know their family. They've already done their dossier on them in terms of background checks. You know, the guy who runs their security department, Dom DeSandro, is one of the best, if not the best in the business when it comes to doing background checks. So you do your due diligence because, as we know, look at how many mock drafts there are across the country, and I mean from the from the so-called experts. Once you get past the second or third picks, nothing makes sense anymore. People trade up, people trade down. A player yeah. doubles a slam dunk is going at number six, drops to number 17. It's, you're just doing your due di- diligence to make sure everybody who's potentially on your board is exactly what you want them to be. And I would add uh, one more thing to it, D-Gun, to Jody's point. You know, sometimes it is about the smoke screen. So let's say sure. Jalen Carter's not there and Tyree Wilson's not there. And obviously Will Anderson's not going to be there. And you don't want to leap and take a, a Peter Skaronsky that high. Right. You know, maybe you try to convince a team who wants B. John Robinson, hey, better come up and get him because we might we might take him. We might, we, we've done our due diligence. That's right. We've had them in, and all of a sudden they can knock back a few picks, pick up some extra draft capital, right. and get Peter Skaronsky. So that's part of it as well. Absolutely. And Howie's obviously tremendous. But, but from that discussion we were having when you were in the green room, D-Gun, yeah. sometimes I think, like, for the most part, I'm on board with Howie. I think he makes good decisions for mm-hmm. the most part. Sometimes I think he's a little bit too stringent to that valuation I was talking about. Like mm-hmm. everything's got to match up. Everything's got to be perfect. I can't take this position here. And every once in a while, there's an outlier. You know, Christian McCaffrey was that back in the day. Right. Nobody knows right. it because the Eagles mm-hmm. didn't, he, he didn't fall to the Eagles. Um Hasn't been a linebacker for years. Never been a safety. Do you think he's a little bit too stringent to sort of that picks got to match value? I think when it comes to a position like the linebackers that they've neglected for years, I think in that regard, little too stringent. But when you look at what they've done outside of a Jalen Rager, when you look at what they've done, 
I think you have to give them compliments for what they've been able to do um, and how they've been able to plug and play players along the way. What I like about what Howie has conceded over the last couple of years is, and he's told me this a couple of times, he had to learn to listen to the room better. And I mean his scouts and other coaches in terms of this is the kind of player you're looking for. You know, how he would listen to players and then make a determination on his feeling. Now, the last couple of years, in terms of what they draft, where they get the players from, i.e. the SEC, which they neglected for years, how he has Alabama. started to the Alabama. Alabama. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, how he has done a much better job in terms of listening to the room and people around him and basically taking what they've said to heart. You're paying these guys to beat the pavement to find you exactly what you're looking for and what they feel you need. And in years have gone by where Howie would frustrate his, his, his scouts and things like that because he would kind of dis not discredit, but just disengage from what the room was saying. So the one thing that, the only thing I would say that kills me about Howie and the organization is how they've neglected strongly, strongly looking at that linebacking position you know, uh, in, in the top 20, top 25, and you see them go to other teams and become pro bowl type players and it drives you nuts. But everything else about what they've been able to do, I, I can't complain with one iota. All right, D-Gun, I'm going to ask you one of my favorite questions. I didn't do it. The deep hypothetical. Probably not going to play out this way, but it gets me to a point that I want you to answer my question. Uh, the NFL draft takes place. Four quarterbacks go in the first four picks. Teams yeah. trade up. Uh, all four of the quarterbacks are gone in the first four picks. Jalen Carter, Seattle's had him for a visit. We know how talented a player is. Their investigation says, all right, he made a major mistake. He's never going to – we believe him when he says he learns from the mistake. They take him at number five. Detroit, who just traded Jeff Akuda for, what, a mm -hmm. fifth-round pick? Mm -hmm. Three years later, after taking him at the number three spot in the draft, and they had to him. pay some money on top of it to to, to get a, that. <laughs> they fifth they round kind yeah. of admitted yeah. they might yeah. have missed that pick, um, but uh, they they know that they need another corner now, so they take the best available corner, whether they think it's Witherspoon or Gonzalez, whoever it is. So there we are, at pick number seven, mm -hmm. and there hasn't been an edge player taken yet, and the Eagles are at ten. Mm -hmm. So you can theorize they can move up those three spots if uh, Vegas, who's sitting there, is willing to give up the pick. If Vegas isn't one of those teams that traded up to get one of those quarterbacks in the first four spots, you get my drift. If all of the defensive ends are on the board, how do you rank them? And is there a big oh. enough uh, gulf between one and two that you would say, all right, we think we're going to get the second guy at 10? No, no. Let's go get the first guy and move up. Would it be worthy to move up? How do you rank the top four, the three, four, five defensive ends in this draft, D-Gun? Well, uh, you have to start with 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 Will Anderson. Will Anderson. There's no question about that. You have to. Um, if he's sitting there at the board, I think it's a slam dunk uh, that you go up and grab this guy. I mean, at seven, you you whatever it costs to go from ten to seven. If Anderson's there, you're doing it. I get him. And then you go to Miles Murphy. And then you go Tyree Ooh, Wilson. You like Murphy second. I like Murphy. I like Murphy oh, second. Same as me, D-Gun. Yeah. You and I are on the same page yet, Brian. Well, I, Wilson and Murphy, 
Wilson, Murphy, Murphy, Wilson, either way. I think they're very similar. But I, a lot of people have Murphy ranked like four, five, six out of the defensive ends. And I, I, there's an argument to be made that he should be the only one behind Will Anderson. And what, you know, when you say two and my two A, my two A would have to be Nolan Smith. You know, this kid, kid 240 pounds, you know, running a four, three, nine coming off the edge. Can you imagine him on one side and Hassan Reddick on the other side playing meet at the quarterback, you know, yeah. and then Tyree Wilson is no slouch as well. So that uh, that's, that's my four, you know, and, and don't, don't count out the kid from Iowa, you know, yeah, Van Ness. Van Ness, no, man. do not count him out, man. Yeah. He's a bigger body at six, five, you know, um, and he, and he can, he can, he's one of those, D lineman, you can put him in, a, in, in at the tackle position if you have to, or you can put him on the outside. You know, strong in the outside, he can hold his own. Good tackler, uh, can blow up, can blow up plays, can can hit the gap. You know, sometimes we put too 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 high a measurable on just a straight ahead four three four four speed. There's other intangibles that you have to be able to consider. So you know, those are the guys that I look at. Um, you know, I, I've looked at film on these guys, and I'm like. If the Eagles get any one of these guys, they're in good shape. That's that's the way I see it. Yeah. Nolan Smith is an interesting one to yeah. me because I think the Eagles really like him. Really good player. Um, but at what point, D Gun, I kind of mentioned this last year. It didn't, you know, didn't hurt him. But yeah. I look at Hassan Reddick is undersized. And yeah. then you would have a really undersized guy, as you mentioned, on the other end. Josh Sweat's still going to be a big part of it, but sure. still, at times, then you have two linebackers who I don't care what the Eagles say. They they don't hit 220. I saw Nicobe every day. He ain't 220. Um, <laughs> so they got two linebackers playing at about 215. A um, little bit undersized, a little bit of a concern there. Yeah, you know, if you, you know, John, if you look across the board, a lot of these these defenses are, are getting smaller. Offensive lines are getting bigger, and defensive lines and, and linebackers are getting smaller and quicker in, in a lot of ways. You know, they want to counter speed with speed. They feel if they have enough speed on the defense to be disruptive, they can disrupt a, an offense, and in particular, a quarterback in terms of rhythm, pushing them off spots, forcing them to make decisions a lot sooner. Uh, things of that nature. You're right. You know, you're looking at undersized players, but you you look at the guys they do have in the trenches right now in Fletcher, in Jordan Davis, in, you know, Milton Williams. They've got some beef in the middle to hold hold the fourth down in that regard. Um, and, and that's why you see a lot of these teams across the board getting smaller, faster guys coming off the edge. They're willing to give up a lot of stoutness on the edge to be quicker, to get to, to, to make things happen a lot sooner uh, than the opposition w- would want. You know, you see these smaller, de- you know, people keep talking about, you know, guys like Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, their ability to have that bend, to get up under these trees that they're playing offensive tackles right now, and there's a lot to be said for that. You know, v- Von Miller is one of the best of the best. We know when he's healthy, he's not the biggest guy on that edge, but he's one of the most dangerous, you know, on the, out there on the edge. And you see this time and time again now. You know, this game changes so much in, in terms of, you know, what what – what is a position player supposed to be anymore? You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that long ago when the running back position was considered an elite player. You know, now running backs are dime a dozen in the National Football League. It wasn't that long ago when your edge rushers all had to be six five. You know, with long yeah. wingspans. Yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Now you see these NASCARs coming off the edge 
edges on these defenses. So the, the criteria of what a certain player is supposed to be changes because, as we know, the NFL is a copycat league. And if, if teams see one or two teams having a good measure of success with this type of player in terms of height and body weight, all of a sudden that's what they're looking for next to complement their defenses. I again, I gave you the potential of Will Anderson for the Eagles. He can only hope, but uh, highly doubtful. Much more possible is Skoranek at number 11. If that's the case, uh, number 10, if that's the case, is he a, a true luxury pick who just sits year one, or is he given a chance to go in and win the job at right guard if they're going to put Cam Jurgens there as well, a competition between the two? Uh, if Peter Skoranek is their pick at number 10, will he start day one of the upcoming season? You know, I, I know the Eagles have a lot of value in Cam Jurgens, and, and we think that he's going to be plugged in automatically at that right guard position. But if they draft a Skaronsky that high, it tells me that he they want him to come in here and compete for that job. You know, he's considered the best of the best of the offensive linemen coming out, you know, um, and he's more suited to be a guard more so than a tackle. And if that is the case, um, it, you, you know what, Jody, it could go either way. You know, the, the, the Eagles love to have a surplus of offensive linemen. And I know it would drive people nuts when you consider what's on the board that high. You know, and especially they do have needs on defense. They do need a linebacker. They do need another young corner. In this game today, you can never have enough corners. You know, and, and they do need another cornerback there as well. But, again, I go back to what I said initially. This team historically loves to build the team from the trenches. Yep. There's no question about it. And so I don't take I don't take Skaronsky out of the equation based on what I know about the history of this team drafting players. So to answer your question, if they took a Skaronsky, it's it's a wait and see. You could be right. I could be right. John could be right, whichever side of the fence John is on in this situation. He could come in here and he could be your day one starter at that right guard spot, or day one Cam just to get that playing experience, put him in the right guard now that Kelsey is back. And let Skaronsky be the guy who sits, wait, and learns from these guys. Yeah. Um, the offensive line. And and that's one where I give the Eagles tremendous credit because, you know, while everyone wants to play fantasy football, they want Bijan to add right. to AJ right. and Devontae and Dallas Goddard and on and on and on. Two things. Uh, there's only one football. And number two. And number two, if you can't block people, it doesn't matter who you have at the skill position. There you go. They're, they're going to kill the quarterback. Um, it, number 30 is interesting to me, D-Gun. I think because of the 50-year option, knowing Howie, he'll probably want to trade down if he can. Mm -hmm. But you need two to tango um, at all times. If they're forced to stay at 30, there's an interesting player for a couple of reasons, uh, to me at least. Right. Um, Brian Branch, another Alabama kid. Mm -hmm. The Eagles have never taken a safety in, in the first round of the draft. Never. You can't even go back to Jerry Robinson or Keith Byers. They've never taken a safety. But he's not just a safety. He's also a slot corner. And we just saw with C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Avante Maddox, Jonathan Gannon would always talk about that mirrored sort of position they have at safety. Right. They're playing the same defense with Sean Desai. And, and 
ipso facto, they want a mirrored player. Why not take the mirrored player, Brian Branch? You know what? I don't disagree with you. Um, you know, unfortunately, this draft is a is a poor draft for safeties coming out this year. But the kid played for Alabama. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Alabama is a pro football factory. I don't care who, who you are. If you play for Alabama and you play extensively, you have a pretty good chance of excelling in the National Football League. And I like this kid. This kid is another – I would say, you know, you talk about a slot corner. I'd like him more – I'd like to equate him more as a Malcolm Jenkins type. He could be a Swiss Army knife for you. He can come down. He can play in the box. You know, he can play up high. Um, you know, you, you, you got Avante Maddox at that, at that slot position right now. And there's a chance – who knows? They may move Avante back even – you know, to play safety, you know, so you're right. They might be looking for a new slot, slot corner, but I like the diversity of this kid. You know, I like his size, his ability to move, uh, his tackling. He's a shorthanded tackler and he can do a, multi, a bunch of multiple things for you. I, I wouldn't rule that out of the equation, but John, you're right. Howie loves to have those middle round picks. This is one of those few drafts where he doesn't have any right now. The cupboard is bare in the middle rounds. And he loves having those fourth and fifth round picks. I would not be surprised one iota if they trade out of that 30 spot to garner more picks um, in the middle round. And I know that that's going to make a lot of fans edgy because they want, they want to see who the Eagles are going to get right now. But in terms of getting better value and getting more picks, you know, um, don't, don't rule out Howie, you know, playing the game of moving back. I mean, think about it right now. Even with, with this defense set the way it is right now, this is a pretty good-looking defense on paper. It may not be that exceptional defense that it was in 2022, the way they played in terms of rushing the passer, getting to the quarterback, defending the back end, but you have cornerstone pieces already on that defense. You've got your two corners back. You went out and got a you know quality safety from Pittsburgh. Don't rule out Reed Blankenship being the, the other safety as well yet. You know, I'm not convinced he still has to show me that he can be in every down safety. He had some good moments and he had some moments where youth reared his ugly head on him. And that's understandable when you play as sporadically as he did. But this kid branch could be a plug and play type player for you. Um, let him learn on the fly. Let him make him make his mistakes. And while he's learning and making those mistakes, it's not hurting the defense too much because they have so many other players at, at positions that could cover up for those deficiencies until he's up to speed. All right, D-Gun, I need to talk to you about the wide receiver position, ah. which you would think, well, what are you talking about? We got Devontae Smith. We got A.J. Brown. Sure. Oh, they, they, they've got three wide receivers on the field about 75% of the time, so wide receiver three is kind of important. And for me, Quez Watkins had a pretty putrid year, and right. they lost their wide receiver four – uh, the coach's pet, the great blocking wide receiver, Zach Pascal. So they definitely need to upgrade the wide receiver position on this team. All apologies to my guy, uh, mm. Greg Ward. Um, how how <laughs> pressing a need is either an upgraded wide receiver three, replacing Zach Pascal? It's, for me, kind of an under-the-radar uh, spot where the Eagles need to get better. How important in your eyes is it? Well, um, it's a priority that they look at possibly getting another slot type receiver. Um, when I when I look at the slot receivers, I, I, I want somebody who's similar 
to a Pascal. He's not he's not a guy who's going to be a marquee headliner, but somebody that can do the little things. You know, he he's, he has the ability to shake a safety coming down trying to or or a slot corner. He can step up and, and hold a block for a few seconds to help get that running game going. Um, can you imagine if if Devontae or AJ went down for a significant yeah. period of time next season? You know, that would that's be a concern. That's yeah. a huge concern because uh, I can tell you this. They're not 100 percent sold on, on Quez Watkins. And it's not to say they're going to just, you know, uh, send him on his way. But, you know, they, they, I, I don't want to say this, but you look at how quick they gave up on a John Hightower, you know. And, you know, you look <laughs> at what Quez is, has has done or not has done. Now, he's shown that he can stretch the field and he's made some deep ball catches. But his inconsistency has been a concern for this team. Mm-hmm. You can never have enough pass catchers. I mean, you look at the, the Eagles' frontline pass catchers, and that includes the tight end in Dallas Goddard. But look at how that position suffered on the tight end in terms of a pass catcher once he went down. You had guys step up and make some key catches, but they're not Dallas Goddard. And, that, you know, that's fair to say not many people are when you look at where he is. You can find a good receiver in those middle rounds. But, again, you got to have – those middle round picks to get yourself one. I don't think it's out of the realm of reality. They serious look at a receiver in the second round to be quite honest with you. And there's enough talent on the board. They can find what they're looking for. And, and luckily going in, he's got two great pass catchers to learn from. Um, and so it takes some of the pressure off him in terms of, you know, when these wide receivers are drafted high, your know, pressure is on their shoulder. You got to come in and produce right now, you know, like a Justin Jefferson. They don't need another Justin Jefferson, but they do need somebody who can come in and they can plug in who's reliable hands, quickness, ability to stretch a field, so on and so forth. And so I would not be surprised if they look at one starting in the second round to bring in. Reliability, like uh, at Real D Gun, uh, one of the most reliable guys uh, you can ever count on. Uh, last one from me, D Gun. Follow yeah. uh, Derek on Twitter. Listen to him here at noon, Sports Take on the Jacob Media YouTube page. Um, Jody has brought this up, mm-hmm. and I'm not concerned. Um, Jody has pointed out the potential hurdles of getting an extension done with Jalen Hurts. Is there any worry with Derek Gunn? that the Eagles won't be able to get an extension done with Jalen Hurts this offseason. No, no. How he has shown, how he has shown when it comes to identifying players they want to sign to long-term deals, he's not bashful about doing it, and he's not bashful about spending the money. You know, you saw what they did with Carson Wentz. As we found out, that was badly spent money, you know. But they're never they're never shy about spending the money. Um, this it's come it, it, you know it takes two to tango. Now if I'm sitting if I'm sitting in Jalen Hurts' seat and his representation, I'm watching the quarterback scenario a carousel unfold all offseason. What Jimmy Garoppolo got, what Derek Carr got, so on and so far. What Lamar Jackson got, you know, and we knew that 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 uh, franchise tag that Lamar that Baltimore put on Lamar is basically a smoke screen. They're going to work something out in Baltimore as well. If, if I'm Jalen, as, as much as I want to get signed and get that money, I'm not in a rush because 
the two sides already agree that that he's not going anywhere. He's going to be with this team long term. Now, when that deal is going to happen, you know, well, us as in the media and the fan base, we want it done yesterday. So we have numbers to talk about where the Eagles are strategically concerned, where Jalen is strategically concerned. There's no rush. There's still plenty of time between now uh, and before the start of this season to finalize this deal. Howie already knows what the numbers are that they're going to have to give them. You know, that's etched in stone. And and I think that's a big reason why they haven't been as active this offseason. I got to jump in here. Go ahead. If we know, then why isn't it done? If Howie knows what the numbers are, why hasn't it gotten done? Why wouldn't you get it off your plate? Why wouldn't you set in stone what you're paying Jalen so you know what you could pay it to everybody else? Because if I'm on Jalen's side, I want to know what length you're talking about. I don't want to sign. But a then, how can contract. Howie know what the numbers are if Jalen doesn't know what the numbers are? Be, the numbers well, he's adjusted. got a framework. Yeah, it's a it's, framework. It's, it's yeah. a framework. Yeah. What if Jalen only wants a three-year deal? It's because not then, like it's going to be, yeah. you know. 52 million or 35 million. How he's in, you know, he's got a good the ballpark. Yeah. He's in the ballpark. They already the know you know, based on what Kyler Murray made based on what Cleveland gave to Sean Watson, how he knows what ballpark he's in, in terms of what he's going to have to pay this yeah. young man. Yeah. It's to me, it's the length of the deal. If I'm Jalen hurts, I don't want a six, seven year deal. I want a three year deal because then I'm able to go back to the table in three years while I'm still in my prime and negotiate a better deal. The way the numbers are going to continue to go up, the new TV money coming in, and so on and so forth. If 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 I continue so to is play, Jalen going to be able to slam dunk a three year deal down the Eagles' throats. I don't know. You know how he wants a longer deal, as do all general managers. But you got to him and haul. You got to give him. Both sides are going to have to give something to get to to arrive at that medium. You know yeah. that's what it comes down to. Management wants a longer term deal. An athlete in his prime at 24 years old who's considered one of the best of the best at his position wants a shorter-term deal. Probably, yeah. yeah. So he can and go Joe, back and make Joe a Banner has advocated that Jalen should do that. Uh, now, a lot of other people think because you and I have gotten to know Jalen a little bit, and, you know, I don't – I think he's the guy that's going to help the team win. He yes. wants to win. That's yes. not an act. He wants to win. People have talked about the Patrick Mahomes deal, so you can manipulate it uh, cap-wise as it moves along. I don't think it's going to go to that level. So I think Decon's right. It's going to be in the middle somewhere. Somewhere in the middle. That's how it would be. And I I told Jody, June 1st, baby, bookkeeping day. June 1st to June 10th. That's where I yeah, that's where I, I get hyper. We're, we're going to the outer limits, June tenth. <laughs> I got a countdown every single day that Jalen's not signed between now and June tenth. Uh, no, just you, June first and June tenth. Yeah, June, June, June first, first and June tenth. Well, 10th. he could sign today, couldn't he? Yeah, but no, could, that, but the, that, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, Jody, I'm here's saying, what I don't tell worry you. about it. I'm saying don't worry about it until June first. If it doesn't happen from June first to June tenth. You shouldn't worry about it, but if you want to, go ahead. I'm Jody, saying don't yeah. don't even put it in the back pocket till June first. Jody, here's what you do: find a hobby that distracts you between now and June first to June tenth. Whether it's, it's called it's called horse racing. Wh- whether it's Kentucky it's, Derby is right in the middle okay. of that. As a matter well, of fact. okay, that's a one that's a one time event. I mean, you need to find a daily hobby. Like oh, fishing, I, oh, they run fishing, daily. I, golf, uh, uh, not uh, a problem. So, They're running somewhere. Yeah, it's great yeah, land. Yeah, I can go find some paramutual action. That won't be a problem. 
Maybe take up knitting or crocheting or something like that. <laughs> something to ease your mind, you know, and to get up to, 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 to not fray your nerves, you know, I worrying about this thing. It's going to happen when it's supposed June to happen. 10th, I got it. And, and, and John and I were in a little semantical debate. My, my issue yeah. again, uh, I don't like the use of the term lottery pick, uh, luxury pick. No, yeah. it's a depth. There's a difference between right. depth and luxury, right. and I know it's semantical, uh, and I get caught up on these things, and it's probably pretty stupid on my part. But yeah, that's what I do. I worry about things like this. I get into <laughs> debates with myself. I should just stick the handicapping you, you, horse. You, you know what? You know why I don't worry about these things? I'm not getting any of this money. Yeah, I'm me. not getting it. If yeah. I was getting some of the money, I'd be on pins and needles. But yeah. I'm not getting any of this money, so Plus, it happens. We got to do our job, no matter what happens. Yeah, we there lose, you go. Who signs? Who leaves? Who goes? Exactly. Has no effect on me. The other semantic, the semantical debate I get in is like the Phillies right now. Yeah. Am I nervous? Yeah, that they're off to a four and eight. Am I panicked? There's right. a difference between panic and nervousness. If we get to June 10th and he's not signed yet, I'm going to say I'm nervous. I'm not going to get to panic, but I will admit to being nervous that he's, uh, Jalen Hurts is not signed by June 10th. That's just me. See, when I look at the Phillies, I'm not nervous. I'm just frustrated with this team because of the boneheaded plays they do. I mean, eight times they've been thrown out on bases. Um, <laughs> they're, one of the, they're one of the best in the business in terms of hits, but yet they're one of the worst in terms of uh, scoring runners from scoring position, right. you know? The number one ace has not been anything close to his to himself this year. You know, his his MO for the first three starts has been he looks good the first three or four innings, and then all of a sudden the the battery catches up to him. You know, and I think his pitches have been flatter. He, I don't think his pitches. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
the way he's hit corner to corner with his pitches have been as crisp, you know, after the first couple of innings, you know, um, you know, so Wheeler pitched a better game yesterday. The team didn't get enough hits to get him a win. See, you know, so I'm just frustrated with this team, you know, even <laughs> without a Bryce Harper, even without Reese Hoskins in there, they still have enough, enough heavyweight hitters to do a lot of damage. They're hitting the ball. They're not hitting timely. So yeah. now baseball is a true marathon. I'm not, no I wouldn't be concerned about the Phillies too much talent. It will show up at some point. Yes. Um, you know, unless you have like a Tampa's Tampa lost yet, Jody. I no, mean, no, they have not. runs away. No, no, no. Um, and, and the Phillies don't have to worry about that. So let's face it. Phillies didn't show fine. up until early June. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they took off. And hopefully we got the same thing going again this year. Hopefully you can be tuned to Sports Take this afternoon with Derek Gunn, Baron Brooks, and Rob Ellis. D-Gun, thanks for getting up early with us today. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. That is Derek thanks, Gunn. Thanks, Derek. Here with us. On Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back. Uh, we're going to have another good draft guy on uh, coming up less than 20 minutes now. Eric Edholm used to uh, cover the National Football League for Yahoo this year, the 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 big boss came. The up. mothership, the new yeah. the NFL mothership. NFL. It's usually ESPN. Said, but, yeah, uh, we can yeah. use that Ed Home guy. Why don't you come right for us? So uh, Ed Eric Ed Home of NFL.com will join us. I think he's had two mocks. Uh, Eric is one of those middle of the road guys. Some people have already put out twelve mock drafts. Forty mocks. Some one mock only, a day. I want to find that guy. One, one prior to and then one right before. I think Eric's done two, which is not outrageous. We'll see how many he's actually put out, but uh, we've had him on before to talk draft. We will do just that with Eric at home of NFL.com uh, coming up in less than 20 minutes here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. We got John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Bird Street 65. You're Mac and Mac, guys. Uh, looking forward to talking to Eric at home in less than 15 minutes from now. All right, I ran this by D Gun. I'm going to ask you to do the same, John. Um, defensive ends. It's absolutely a position. Edge players. I know you and I both like the word edge better because uh, given the chance, people will describe uh, Hassan Reddick. Nuts. That's one you, you were talking about. We all got our pet peeves. You got luxury picks. I got, I got the uh, call on Hassan Radic, a linebacker, drives me insane. Right. Uh, so, so we'll use the phrase edge instead. Uh, I think that is a distinct possibility that that's where the Eagles' first pick in the upcoming first round will land. Will that be a 10? That's where it's lodged to go right now. Will they potentially move up? Will they try and move back? I'd say more so back than up, but that's just me. Uh, but let's just leave it at the Eagles' first pick in the first round, wherever that may land. There's a good chance that they'll use it on a defensive edge player. How would you rank the top five guys going into this draft that you can get the number one guy, which would probably mean trading up, or you'd get the second or third or fourth, or you'd have to settle for the fifth because you probably traded back. How would you rank for the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, not necessarily the way that they would rank on a wide open board and any team could take them, but fitting in with the Philadelphia Eagles, how would you rank the five top edge guys? Yeah, that's how I always do it. Um, so, you know, Eagles wise, I, I think, you know, Will Anderson would be first. And I think they're pretty consistent that they're not going to be able to get in a position to get him. Um, and then I, I would put, uh, uh, Tyree Wilson second. And I think there's an outside chance he might be the, um, targeted trade up that we often talk about that they did last year. If he starts to drop a little bit and they say, yeah, maybe we can go up and get him." Um, I think that could be a potential, but very unlikely. Uh, Nolan Smith, I think would be number three for them. Um, I think they really like him. I'm starting to lean towards him at number 10. Um, overall, if they just stay put, um, Lucas Van Ness is a player they really like as well. I think he could be the, the targeted trade down, so to speak, if you're going down from 10 to 12 or 13, I think he could be back in that spot. Um, 
And 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 then the fifth guy, uh, I I I think they're focused on those four. Well, Will to me doesn't even count. But then you start talking about you know maybe uh, Murphy because um, he's got you know significant talent and he's sort of kind of the same frame as Van Ness. So if you're looking for that type of player, um, for whatever reason, he's kind of fallen down a little bit uh, from where he started in the process. Uh, But I, I kind of put him sort of down the list. I think, I think the, the wheelhouse would be, you know, Wilson unlikely, but maybe targeted trade up Nolan Smith, most likely, Lucas Van Ness targeted trade down. Now, is this your evaluation of the Eagles' evaluation or John McMullen's evaluation? No, that's my Eagles. My my evaluation is always what I think the Eagles are going to do because uh, I can. I'll, I'll say, who would I have? Uh, I would have. I would have Van Ness ahead of Smith, um, and. You know, those that's would be my only adjustment. I'd have Will first, I'd have Tyree second, I'd have Van Ness third, I've Nolan Smith. I'm a little concerned. Nolan Smith is really undersized. Yep. I'm a little concerned with that. Van and Van Ness is like he to me is an NFL prospect from the perspective of the upside, man. They're always looking for upside guys, upside guys. Up if he hits, um he he doesn't have a lot of tread off the tire. He's got this, you know, because of the way Iowa does things. He's he's just in a position. Trey Hendrickson has been the comp that a lot of people have used, who is just, you know, double digit, double digit, double digit. Um, that that I think is his upside. So he would be a little bit higher for me, just because of the size and the frame. See, mine would be I would move Murphy up to number three. We agree that. Uh, Anderson is number one. And by the way, I I was doing that only quasi tongue in cheek. I think there's an, a chance that Anderson can drop down to five or six or seven. Really hope seven from an ego perspective because that would cost you less to move up. Uh, if, if he does go number three because the quarterbacks only go one, two instead of one, two, three, four. All right, the Eagles aren't getting up to three. I know that the Arizona Cardinals will make that pick available and teams may want to move up and not chances are they're going to want to move up for one of the quarterbacks, which means uh, the Eagles would have to pay a premium to get there. So I don't think they're going to do that. So he's got to get to probably five for them to even be in the conversation. Oh, I think it's a conversation worth having because just personally, I have him ranked as the number one player in the draft. And we talk so much about value and how you get value and how you uh, bend over backwards to achieve value and how Roseman is married to it. You're getting the best player in the draft at number five. It, it, most times Eagles can't even be in the conversation because they can't possibly move up from where they are in the twenties or the thirties to get to number five. But because of the great trade that Howie Roseman made last year, which gave him new Orleans pick at number 10, there is actually a path to this. I would look after that path because I think there is a big drop-off. There's Anderson, then there's a drop-off. Then there's Wilson. Then there's a lesser drop-off for me. And number three 
is Miles Murphy. And you're right. Uh, you check out some of the guys' drafts, uh, the, the, the mocks, the guys who know, and we're going to have Eric at home, and I'm very interested to see how he ranks the, the edge rushers in this draft. Um, Murphy is more four, five, six than he is three, four, five. Uh, so I like I, I like the kid better than Van S. I like him better, and I do like Smith. But you and I are uh, quasi on the same page here. I don't see a lineup that's got both Reddick and Smith in it with two smaller linebackers. You really are. You're daring another team to run the ball down your throat yeah. when you're going to. Well, play- I, w- I would say I don't see it consistently. You know, maybe you can do it as a curveball every now and again on third and 13 when you know it's an obvious passing situation. But then we get in that discussion we had last year with Jordan Davis, and we still have. Is situational, you know, player what you want at number 10 overall, especially as an edge rusher? I don't know. Um, you know, uh, it's it's a very valuable position. And that's one of the reasons I, I lean towards um, Van Ness as well. Um, plus, there's, you know, he's 21, and he looks like, you know, age is a big thing with the Eagles, and especially in this COVID world um, where you have 25, sometimes 26-year-old prospects. He's 21, and he looks like, you know, he's 35 from a from a, uh, a frame standpoint. And one of the things you always hear with offensive, defensive linemen coming in, they got to get stronger. They got to get stronger. They got to get stronger. You know, they call it old man strength in the NFL. Those vet guys who've been in the weight room for years with NFL level strength and conditioning staffs, they're just massively powerful. Um, he's got the frame to be that guy five years from now, to just be the, I always think of Justin Smith. You remember Justin Smith? In a in a in a world now he's not he was a defensive tackle so not from a but he was just so strong in the world of strong people it, it stood out I think Van Ness has a chance to be that guy three four years he's got such a huge upside that's why I put him uh, where I put him all right now this we'll see if this rings true for everybody because everyone has in historical uh, 2020 hindsight, their opinion, I, I think Van Ness could be Mike Mamula too. Oh. That, that, and, and again, all depending on how you look at what Mike Mamula achieved. He wasn't a bust. People, oh, Mamula was such a bust. In comparison to where he was drafted, he was an underachiever. I don't think he was ever a bust. And I think people unfairly review Mike Mamula's career. Oh, he's just a bust. He wasn't a bust. He just wasn't as good as he was supposed to be where he was drafted. Yeah, that's what I think about Van Ness. I think uh, Well, I, I, I disagree from that perspective I was just talking about. Like, he's, he's strong enough to play in the NFL right now. Right now, Lucas Van Ness is strong enough. To, and that's rare with a rookie. It, my concern is he turns into the old school – what we were just talking about with D gun, the old school edge guy who needed to be long and, and needed to hold the edge and, 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 and run support. Um, and that was more important than just going after the quarterback, which isn't as important now. 
my my concern is he turns into an old school defensive end, old school left defensive end, base defensive end they used to call it, where you were you were you had to hold it was your job to hold the edge, and you were okay as a pass rusher if you had a live body and blah blah blah. That's my concern with with Lucas Van Ness. That to me is his floor, and people are looking for pass rushers. He's already so much stronger than Mike Mamola coming in. I mean, he's he, he's yeah, he's I I mean he's, and that's why I'm so he's already got an NFL um, functional football strength level. Then let, then um, let me ask you this question, John. If uh, the way you're describing him, why didn't he start at Iowa? Well, that's that's how they do things. But that's another thing they. They, but they wouldn't you hold? Wouldn't you hold the guy who you think is the better pass rusher for the later downs? Well, you could first say first down is the you don't really know whether they're well, running the ball. First that's and my ten concern. Demarcation. You got to be good enough to play on first and ten. Well, that's my concern. Uh, you know, they do things the way they do things, and you know, we talked about the same thing in Georgia. But Georgia's Georgia. When you have waves and waves of five star prospects, um, it is a projection as a pass rusher. That's that's my concern, but the projection because of his size, because of his speed at that size, because of his short area quickness is off the charts, but yeah, it's a projection. There's no doubt about that. I just think his ceiling is, is, is high. Um, and that's what, that's the trick to the NFL. <laughs> that's the trick to the NFL draft. You try to find these guys who are, Again, it's not about college. It's about what are you going to be in the pros? And there's a lot of good college players who aren't good pros. Um, even at high-profile schools like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, SEC schools, a lot of good players from those schools that turn out don't turn out to be great pros. And there's a lot of guys who – you know, were used poorly. I don't even know if he was used poorly. I don't know mu uh, 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 much about Iowa's defensive line outside of him. I don't. I don't know how much talent they had on it. But you would think of a guy's in a potential to be a top fifteen pick. Playing, <clears> excuse me, playing all three downs at Iowa. You'd think he'd play all the time, but that's another positive in some ways from the NFL because, as I mentioned. The treads on the tire, the tire that it's complete. You got some of these guys, and again, I talked about older prospects, especially in the COVID, 24, 25, and they played a ton of football. Uh, at, and, and, you know, Reed Blankenship is an example of this. Five year starter at middle, five years and just played every snap and every. So he, his, his, you know, probably his length if he turns into a starting player, which the Eagles hope. And, Totally different level, obviously, as an undrafted guy. But I mean, this guy's twenty-one. There's no, there's no tread off the tire. So that that helps the projection as well. The upside. Uh, I, if you're talking about a top ten pick, I'm talking about talent, not how many snaps. He well, took. he's got plenty of talent as well. That's the point. He's got tons of talent. He's two seventy-five, six-five. You know, he's, he he runs under a sub four six. Yeah, we'll talk to Eric about that. He'll tell you. We will do just that. Eric Edholm from the NFL.com covers the entire league, but is a draft specialist as well. And I like the fact that 
he doesn't just spit out a muck every 20 minutes. He, he, he sends them out as needed. So we're going to ask him to mock it up with us next. Eric Edholm, NFL.com, joins Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Guys, here on Birds 365, we're lucky enough to get one of our favorite national guys on two weeks to the day before the draft to talk NFL draft with us. He does so for the NFL.com. Eric at home, good enough to jump into us. How you been, Double E? John and Jody, what's happening? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. We appreciate you jumping in for us. We want you to pick up right where John and I left off because we value your opinion. Uh, defensive end or edge is a spot that we think the Eagles will be looking at heavily at number 10, either trading up or trading back, but somewhere very much in that neighborhood. Uh, the five guys I threw out were Will Anderson, you'd have to move up. Tyree Wilson, probably have to move up. 
And then the three guys who may well be there when they pick Smith and Van Ness and Murphy. How do you rank those five? Put those five in order. If you want to say there's a bigger drop off between one and two or two and three or three and four, those five edge guys are distinct possibility. Eagles could end up with one of them. How would you rank them? They could. Yeah. I, I have uh, Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson, no shock as, as my top <laughs> two and they're different guys, right? I mean, they're, uh, you know, uh, I would say Will Anderson's more of the Khalil Mack mold, you know, in terms of that style of rusher, a little bit shorter, but has enough length, has plenty of length with the arms, uh, and uses that long arm move quite a bit. Um, Tyree Wilson has even more and is a more gifted athlete. Uh, we just haven't seen as much of him as much production, but the upside is tremendous. I mean, I think if he finished the year healthy and tested, I think we would be talking about him in a little bit different light, uh, even if he is going to go very high regardless. I think the the, the the buzz surrounding him would have been bigger. Nolan Smith's a tricky one for me, though. And I, on the surface, completely understand why he's being considered in this range. He could have come out a year ago, was very highly re- regarded. I thought played better when he was on the field than he had that pec injury. But I thought he was better in 2021 based on the games that I watched. You know, I didn't get to see every single snap he took, but – um, the testing has clearly pushed him up there in the Hassan Reddick role. It makes yeah. a lot of sense, but boy, I don't know. I just, I, for not every, not every team, I would put him quite that high for the Eagles. I might, right. They know how to use them. They've, they've found success in that role. Um, and then the other guys just a little bit lower. I don't know that miles Murphy's ever going to be a, a superstar, but I think he can be a very, a very good player who thrives with his athleticism. So, um, you know, it's it's just a little bit hard. It's a deep class too. I mean, and you could consider Tyler Van Ness to to be in that group as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of separate these these guys at this position. Um, I, I've been asking all the draft guys we have on, and I want to get your thoughts, Eric, at the top because we're talking about the Eagles at ten mainly. But right. So, uh, how many true? top tier whether you want to call it blue chip tier one players do you have in this draft and how many in that group are in the quarterbacks because there might be four quarterbacks and if there's four quarterbacks going in the top nine mm-hmm. that's going to be good for philadelphia when you're talking about potentially getting a real top tier player at number 10 yeah i mean it's 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 close on the quarterbacks obviously it you know, your, your grades versus like, I, I don't know that I consider, I mean, I think young and Stroud both have very high floors. Um, young, it's the, the, the health durability question, I think more than anything, you know, Stroud, it's the, what is the superpower? Is he ever going to be more than a, you know, a, a, a merely solid or very good quarterback. But I think I would safely kind of put them in that upper tier and considering where they're they're likely to be drafted, I think it's smart to do so only because, you know, I mean, I don't think the Eagles are looking over their tally sheet saying, well, we're not sure if those two guys are going to go. Yeah, and there's yeah. a really good chance Richardson yeah. goes and a respectable chance that Levis is included in those those top nine selections prior to the Eagles pick. So, you know, for, for accounting purposes, yeah, those guys absolutely count. The ones that are tricky, you know, B. John Robinson for me is a blue chip prospect. Is he guaranteed to go in the first nine picks? I don't think so. I don't know that that's a lock by any means. Uh, we mentioned Lucas Van Ness uh, earlier. People are a little bit mixed on him. I mean, the upside is is exciting, alluring, enticing, but 
the production hasn't been there. He hasn't technically started, although he did lead the the Hawkeyes in snaps up front. But, you know, I, I saw more of a player who was effective inside against slower guards than outside against quicker tackles. So you got to know what you're drafting there. And then offensive line would be another position. It's like I don't really know for sure that one of them – or more than one anyway, is, is going to be drafted in the first nine. So, you know, I realize I'm kind of, you know, two sides in your question here, but I would say there's somewhere between six and seven truly blue chip prospects in this class, Jalen Carter being a, a mystery man of yeah. sorts. Yeah. And yeah, you what know, are you hearing? Sorry to interrupt, Eric. Yeah. What are no. you hearing on Jalen Carter? I'm I think sure the Eagles are seeing all the time and everyone's doing their investigating. Yeah. And the investigating is going to determine where he's going to get selected. Because just purely on talent, we all know he's a top five talent. Right. But what are people finding out? Are you hearing anything that you did not know that you say, all right, that'll either keep him entrenched in where he is, top five talent, or, oh, shoot, this guy could really slip slide come draft night. Yeah, I've heard a few things that I haven't necessarily been able to 100% corroborate. So it doesn't do me a lot of good to just, well, here's here's all the – all the dirt I dug <laughs> up on Jalen Carter. I just dump it out here for you guys, but uh, gotta be careful, right? You gotta, you gotta yeah. make sure well, thanks you, for doing what you're it. saying, but you know, if, if all of the things that I heard were true, then you have a complicated evaluation, not somebody who, you know, as far as I can tell is cutting the heads off goats, but you know, somebody <laughs> public squares, right. But uh, sometimes you need that guy. A goat severer, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Give me that goat, goat severer. <laughs> but uh, I would say that that it's almost to the level, you know, depending on the team, where it's going to require ownership sign-off, where it's going to require that yeah. kind of approval, where the GM, you know, the week of the draft goes to the owner and presents their draft plan and says, here's what we're thinking. Um, you know, if Jalen Carter is there at pick number X, we're going to, we, we think we'll take him. thoughts, you know, and then the owner says, well, I'm not comfortable with that. Or what do we know? And, you know, a lot of teams I think are going to play cautious. I mean, Howie Roseman has as much job security as anybody in the NFL. Mm -hmm. They're coming off the Super Bowl appearance, Fletcher Cox, a free agent, you know, on and on and on. It just, it does add up. I mean, it, I'm just saying, I don't know that He'll be there at 10, and I don't know that they'd take him at 10. But if you're looking for a lot of boxes to check off, Philly's got a, a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, goats aside, and we know the legal problems, uh, yeah. uh, but how much of a de- big deal in the NFL uh, with personnel people was the pro day, showing up out of shape, not being right. able to, to, to finish certain drills? You know, maybe it's the stress of what he went through. It could be as simple sure. as that, but – how did how did people around the league kind of view that? Well, that's why he had a lot of visits after that, right? I believe he kind of uh, settled with the DA the next yeah, day, yeah, or, yeah. you know, very closely yeah. after that. So that had to be a relief for him, obviously. Um, and I'm sure they were very anxious to do so. Right? Did the stress contribute to to his conditioning, perhaps? But gaining what thirteen or pounds or nine pounds or whatever it was over the course of two weeks is. A little bit concerning, right? I mean, I you know, I mean, I know we all have our our, our ice cream binges and whatnot, mm-hmm. but like, let's let's me too it. many, yeah. Oh, yeah. right, exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> I just I just wonder. I wonder what's gonna whether teams got enough answers and felt comfortable enough with what they heard from Carter, what his excuses were, what his reasons for being out of shape, or what his reasons for 
you know, per, possibly misleading the police at first. So there's a lot to unpack there. All right. I uh, want to jump into the running back market with you. Uh, first two-part question. The first is going to be Bijan related because it seems like that's all we talk about here in Philadelphia is Bijan, Bijan, Bijan. But once we get past Bijan, I want to ask about everybody else. Bijan Robinson is the best running back to come out in the draft since who? Hmm. Yeah, Saquon is the name you hear the most. Like that's the guy who he sort of gets compared to the most, even though I think they're they're different runners. Saquon might be a little bit more physically blessed. He's got mass that that um that Bijan doesn't possess. But yeah, it's kind of a I, I think in some ways he's a little bit more creative a runner, whereas you know, Barkley is maybe a little bit more explosive and powerful maybe he's got those those pistons for legs you know and i and i like the thickness in the lower body build of, of Bijan robinson so he's built to last i'm not worried about you know him being oh boy we gave him 18 carries last week i don't know what's gonna happen you know of course he's fine right this is jameer gibbs different conversation but yeah i i would say that's the name that you probably hear the most in the scouting circles and obviously not every team would have taken him number two overall, but there were some who would have taken him in the top 10. So, you know, kind of interesting to keep that in perspective as we look at where he might go. All right. And you mentioned Gibbs. Is he the unquestioned number two? If so, who's number three? I think the Eagles will certainly be thinking about taking a back. I think if they yeah. trade backwards and Bijan is there later in the first round, he's in their mix. But uh, how do you rank this year's running back class after Robinson? Yeah, and you know the Eagles were so good at at you know obviously we have we saw Kenneth Gainwell have late season success and we've had, seen Miles Sanders. I'm not saying these guys aren't good players, of course they are, but you know the question becomes: Do you need to take that player? Right? Is it is it too much of a luxury? At a certain point, I think it's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I've got Gibbs. I think Zach Charbonnet is going to be a little bit underrated in some regards, and just in terms of his ability to kind of. You know, handle a decent workload, be effective on third downs, kind of a nice all around back in some ways. So, you know, he's he's definitely somebody who I think is um, really appealing in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I would say after that, it gets a, a, a little bit. They all kind of get lumped together a little bit. I'm not as big a fan of, of Tank Bigsby as some people are. <laughs> Injuries, fumbles. Tajay Spears might only be a third down guy. Devin A. Shane specialist, you know, so there's you know, kind of beauty in the eye of the beholder for a lot of these guys, but Roshan Johnson, same thing. I would say he's a great complimentary back. I'm sure he'd be somebody that the, the Eagles would consider if they want a little bit of a bigger option, somebody who's a little bit more of a straight ahead power guy to compliment, you know, some of the other pieces. So there's, you know, Kendry Miller, we didn't see him in the title game. That was a disappointment, but you know, he, he attracted a lot of attention at, at his pro day as well. Yeah, that, that'll excite Eagles fans when they get a Texas running back, but it ends up being Roshan Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if he and, can't and, get that. He, he will be a very good player, by the he way. He could. I think he Eagles. will. Yeah. Uh, so. With a plus one at quarterback at Jalen Hurts. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was talking to an Eagles scout yesterday, Eric, and he mentioned, you know, the running game at Jalen Hurts. If you really want to improve the running game with the Eagles, they spread people out. Um they like to run the football against light boxes. So they often run when they have, you know, empty sets. Uh, they'll bring a back back in and, and sort of run there to try to get that light look. And then Jalen Hurts defend, uh, threatens the backside. And all of a sudden you have all these problems for the defense. And he said it's kind of counterintuitive, but go get another receiver 
or go get another threatening tight end, and that'll make the running game even better, no matter who the running might be Rashad Penny, might be Trey Sermon. Insert name with Jalen Hurts, he creates those kind of issues. But I, I, I want to bring you to the receivers as a whole because the Eagles yeah. could use an upgrade sure could. to wide receiver three. We've been kind of spoiled in the NFL recently with these wide receiver classes. I, I, I To me, outside the Ohio State kid, I don't think this wide receiver class is that great. Am I underestimating it? I, I think it's a little lean at the top. And and I love Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I think he's going to be really, really good. I don't think he's on that Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson level, but – you know, whatever the tier below that is, that's where I would put him. And I think he belongs in that group. But your next crop of receivers are either all of the kind of smaller variety without necessarily elite speed. You know, I'm talking, you know, Zay Flower vertical, like true straight line speed. Um, you know, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, some people might put Josh Downs in that group. Uh, you know, he's a second rounder for me, but Tyler Scott, same kind of idea. But and then you've got Quentin Johnson, who's kind of the you know, I see him more as the uh, the Robin than a Batman, but a very good Robin. Um, but I worry about the drops too. And it just there's enough questions with the higher end guys. Jalen Hyatt, he's sort of a one trick pony in my mind right now, Will Fuller part two, if you will. So yeah, I would say that the questions are really at the top. I think there's actually some value to be had in 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 day three. You know, a guy like Rakeem Jarrett, who was such an elite recruit out of high school and never quite put it all together, you know, had some promising workouts. You know, what do you do with a Kayshawn Boutte at LSU? Those coaches thought he was a first-rounder the day he walked into the building, the former staff. Yeah. Um, he's had a rough go. So there's a lot of those, like, question marks in day three even late day two maybe Rasheed Rice or, or you know Michael Wilson with all the injuries I think some of those are going to turn out so I think the real value for me is a little bit later but again it's still a bit of a dart throw so I hear you it's just like we we have been spoiled and, and this year's just not quite as appealing on the uh you know the, the curb appeal right now all right, since we've checked all the other boxes at the high level offensive position we might as well do tight ends, too, while we're at it. Sure. And not Eagle-related, because Eagles already have Dallas Goddard, so I don't want you to factor this into what the Eagles will do. Just overall in the draft, um, a lot of people are talking up Darnell Washington of Georgia, and I know he's a physically athletic freak, but he didn't start at Georgia because the boxers kid there might be a top-10 pick, a tight end next yeah. year. <laughs> do you hold that against him like I do? Shame, maybe shame on me. Uh, and not give him his props because he is as big and, and as talented and athletic as he is. Or do you look at production and go, wait a minute, we're talking about taking this kid this high. He got how many catches over the last three years at Georgia? Uh, I think the Myers kid is easily, uh, well, I shouldn't say easily. Kincaid and Myers are close. Give me your rankings of the tight ends coming up in the NFL draft. Shame on you, Jody. I'm so disappointed. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm not that disappointed. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, obviously they, they had unusual depth there, too. I mean, you know, they, they even had Eric They have unusual depth everywhere, Jody. Yeah. You can't blame I mean, anybody. That's how you win back-to-back championships. Yeah. You guys, yeah. if you stack up the, like, the early, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s Miami teams with this Georgia and teams in this era, like, over a four-year period – 
Miami had more first round picks, but Georgia's had more picks or could have more picks after this year. So, I mean, it's unbelievable what they've done to kind of, you know, turn the crimson tide, if you will, turn the tide in the, in the, in the SEC. But to Darnell Washington, you are projecting a little bit because, like you said, he wasn't a featured receiver. But when he did catch the ball, he averaged 17 yards a grab. He wasn't, he was a great intermediate receiver um who could sometimes jump over defenders you know out muscle him things like that i will say i don't think he's quite the polished run blocker everyone's making him out it's always a run you know road grader in the run game yeah he can bend at the waist and he kind of overreaches. he's a big guy you know i mean you're he's sort of built like a like a college basketball power forward you know <laughs> it just He's just figuring some of these things out, but he's so gifted, so big, so athletic. I don't think he'll ever be a superstar, but I think he's going to be, you know, a, a great possibility as a receiver and a great possibility as a, as a, as a blocker. So, but Mayer is so complete. He just doesn't have any, he doesn't have a superpower, but he doesn't have a weakness. I don't think, I mean, he's all, he's good to very good at almost everything. So I think he's going to play for a decade that, you know, Dalton Kincaid is fantastic. I think he's really uh, a special receiver, but you know, even with his doctor clearing him, the back issues are, you know, a potential red flag for some teams and, and just a worry of when he'll uh, you know, if those will become an issue at some point. Yeah. I think Michael Mayer would be a hall of famer, but was like 1990. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's Jason uh, Witten. That's what he yeah. is. He's Jason Witten, in my opinion, or that yeah. kind of player. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in because um, he is so unique and so many. And Dallas Goddard's like that. He can play in line, can flex. Um, you don't see a lot of tight ends that can hold up as blockers uh, these days. Yep. Um, defensive tackle is interesting here in Philadelphia, Eric. Uh, the, the, the Eagles lost five defensive starters in free agency, most notably Javon Hargrave. But, yeah. you know, they're one of, I think, 100 teams that use the same Vic Fangio defensive scheme. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but yes. too many teams use that. I think that there's going to be a tipping point at some point. But one thing I've noticed with the Eagles is they're looking at a lot of those so-called gap-and-a-half players, they call them. Like Jordan Davis, they like to come at you in waves. So, you know, these interior defensive linemen. They looked at uh, Mazzy Smith. They looked at uh, uh, Jacqueline uh, uh, Roy, Roy from LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jervon Dexter. All these players. Um, I'm going to guarantee they take one in the day two somewhere. Uh, uh, any of those guys stand out. Those they're not sexy, but those those gap and a half run stuff are tight. Yeah, Keandre Coburn at Texas is another one who could go in that sort of fourth fifth range siaki ika from from baylor's obviously a you know thickly built guy and everything and yeah javon dexter's really interesting i mean the athletic traits are you know you just don't see guys who are six six running sub four nine forties like that's that's something to really take note of he is a little bit shorter limbed than you'd expect for that size but and the and the you know it's like the the tape is not all that exciting, right? I mean, it just, you, you, you kind of think like, wow, this guy's going to dominate. And, you know, he gets a tackle for loss every three or four games. You know, he'll, he, I don't think he ever, I could be wrong. I, I hope I'm not wrong. I don't think he ever forced a fumble in college. 
um, but did make some athletic plays. Like he, he had inter- two interceptions in his career. Um, you know, you just sort of say to yourself, wow, he does have some sort of basketball ability. He's, he's a really interesting one for me, um, either as a three technique or, or possibly as a four eye or a five. I mean, he can play a lot of positions. I just don't know that, you know, if you're looking for unsexy with, with some sexy qualities yeah that's kind of who i think he might be so he he's, one to keep he's a mind. florida guy too so how and a florida uh, right how, yeah how, how he will lean toward a florida guy when given the chance yeah. <laughs> all right i'm gonna tie the two guests we had on today in a specific way Derek gunn told me earlier i need to get a uh uh something to uh, while away my time a hobby because i worry too much about jalen hurts's contract not being signed yet uh, I have it. It's called betting on the horses. Uh, I like the handicap and compete against all the other betters. See if this fits a player for your draft status. Every once in a while, I'll get to a race and I'll handicap and I'll go, man, I like this 20 to one shot. I, I can't understand why they would make this horse 20 to one. He looks better, much better on paper than this to me. Right. And then they open up the betting. And sometimes he goes to 10 to one. You go, yeah, see, I was right. He I knew. shouldn't have ever yeah. been at 20 to one. Sometimes he just stays at 20 and you start to second guess yourself. Wait a minute. If he's that much better, why is he still 20 to one? Maybe they know better than me. Right. You got a guy that you're targeting as a fourth to fifth rounder, day three pick, whatever. You start to check out other people's mock drafts. Someone has them up even higher than you go. See, I like that. I, I knew that guy was, I knew he was being under, but then you're looking, nobody else has got this guy other than you. So you start to second guess yourself. What am I seeing that nobody else is seeing? Do you have a guy like that, that you feel good about? You've seen on tape. You can't believe hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves, but you're not 100% sure yet. Do you have a guy like that? Yeah. Do you, all right. In what range did you say it was? What, when uh, you're looking at three, a day three guy that you think could actually be day two. You had him as a, a two, three, a three, four. Uh, but you would not be shocked if he moved up into the second round. Everybody else is projecting him as a six or a seven or undrafted. A guy mm. you feel good about that uh, you, 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 you're still positive that you've got a better read on him than everybody else, uh, despite the fact that maybe people aren't thinking or projecting or mocking along those same lines. Yeah, it's maybe a little earlier than that, more of the, the day – possible late day two but more i would say early day three for both five two defensive backs who've kind of caught my eye the more i've watched them and i've and they were both kind of post combine review guys like all right i've seen them but now i gotta watch them a little more jatavius martin from illinois you know i knew about him but devin witherspoon was getting all the attention there's some other guys on that defense you know and so he did kind of slip through the cracks as far as like, you know, top hundred prospects and, and that kind of thinking, but he tested great at the combine. He's got slot corner outside, you know, outside corner safety versatility. There, there's something there. That's what he was like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would keep an eye on him. I mean, he's, he's lean, but long, you know, he's got enough length. I think <clears throat> Anthony Johnson is another one from, uh, from um, Iowa state blank for a minute, but you know, I don't know that he's outside corner, but he's played there before, which he at least have that flexibility. You know, we've seen with like a guy like Jalen Mills, who's played, you know, a little of both in his career, that sort of thing. He switched to safety last season for ISU and, and looked really good. Like it looked like a guy who'd been playing there for three or four years. So 
I don't know. There, there's something about him that just fascinates me that I think is maybe being sort of swept under the rug or forgotten about a little bit. So those are two DBs that wherever they go, somewhere in that 90 to 140 range, if I had to sort of throw a dart, I think they're going to out, you know, kick their, their, their landing spot. Nice. All right. Last one for me, Eric, uh, make sure you follow Eric at Eric underscore Ed home lead NFL draft writer for NFL.com does a tremendous job. We've been talking about, uh, sexiness a little bit too much we're getting people excited <laughs> but um i'm gonna get i'm gonna end it put you on the spot with the sexiest position of all the eagles need a stinking punter uh, all right one of the reasons they lost the super bowl was because aaron Sipas um <laughs> that's a fair punted point the ball where he shouldn't have yeah uh, and and they you know he had was injured before they went with brett kern a veteran was not good they need an answer at punter. They don't have a lot of picks. They're probably not going to draft one. But there's always an undrafted guy. There was that big kid from Tulane last year. Are there any punters? I need an NFL-level punter, Eric Edholm. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple. The kid from from Rutgers, Adam Corsack, I think I, I could be wrong, but I would say maybe he might have been – the one everyone's kind of buzzing about, but you know, I thought he was just okay at the con. I mean, at the senior bowl, excuse me. And um, Michael Turk from Oklahoma, it, crazy story. If you guys remember, you know, he went, he was at Arizona state, went to the, the combine in 2020 before the pandemic bench, like 25 times he ran a, a, you know, a 20 yard shuttle. Like he's an athlete. Right. Uh, but he's still, he's now back in this draft. So he went to Oklahoma for a couple years sort of kept pushing the NFL off. I think he's one who will get drafted. I don't know by whom, right? Um, there's a kid named Ethan Wingate, or I'm sorry, Ethan uh, Evans from Wingate College. Wingate, yeah, yes. Wingate College. Yeah, yeah so he's, uh, he's somebody who special teams coaches have kind of taken notice of. Um, let me try to think of one more here. Oh, the, the kid from uh, – well, Michigan and Michigan State both have punters. Yeah, Brad Robbins from Michigan and Bra- uh, I'm blanking on his name, Bryce, Bryce Barringer. Barringer. There yeah, you, thank Michigan you. State, yes, I just yeah. it came to me right away. But yeah, I think Corsack and Turk are the ones are the names that I've heard the most. I haven't been gone deep on my punter dives this year. <laughs> that between us, but uh, I am a punter guy. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I'll, I'll make up this week, you know. So. So, yeah, it's not like there's some generational left-footed, you know, kick it out of the stadium guy with, you know, gyro ball spin or anything And it's like not that. as important everybody's going forward on fourth down. But, boy, when uh, yeah. you need a big punt in a big situation, it's nice to have a guy who can, who can come through for you. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Aaron Kicker, oh. right? Long snapper, too. And, unfortunately, the Eagles did not in the Super Bowl. All right, mm. e, when is uh, the next mock and or the last mock? How many you got left in you before the actual draft? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I have like a like a pre like early next week. I got to look, and then I've got my final. I don't know, I could be wrong about that. I may only have one more. I, Ooh, I believe it or not, good. I know I'm not like you said. I don't just pepper people with uh, mock of the day. I just right. I don't. Know <laughs> I, I would have find. I guarantee you, there's somebody out there who does a mock draft oh, every day. Oh, and like I more power it. to them. Yeah. I just I you know I like to see my kids every now and then. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but between you and I, complete bullshit. 
They're just <laughs> moving a couple of guys around there. Oh, they did uh, 12 hours of work before they put up the mock 24 hours later. And that's why they, <laughs> yeah, no, they move a couple of guys around. It's, it's BS. But yeah, appreciate... rearranging the deck chairs. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We appreciate your efforts for NFL.com. And whenever you come out with us, you're on Birds 365. Aaron, good catching up. We'll talk to you probably after the draft. Get your review on uh, who did what and how well and who screwed up. And, yeah, we call people on the carpet. So uh, we'll get you to do that with us in a couple of weeks. Thanks, bud. Pleasure's mine, guys. Have a great day. See you. Eric, Thanks, at home, check them out. NFL.com. I read them at Yahoo for years. Uh, and I remember when he jumped over, he said, yeah, the, the, the big boys are calling. I said, good on you, Eric. Uh, as long as you'll come on Bird Street 65 and give us some insight, uh, we'll promo the heck out of whatever you want. We come back to put a bow on the show here on Bird Street 65 next. Stick around. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Appreciate Eric. 
and Derek Finn hopping out with us today here on Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, we're running out of time. I love asking questions that I probably should know the answer to, but don't. But I can turn to you because you got a better chance to know the answer than I do. I saw a couple stories over the last 24, 48 hours about teams, and I, I, I used to know about it in baseball, and I guess they do it with some football teams. It depends on where you're located, whatever. The tailgate tours, the off-season, go out to the outskirts of your general area where you can have ticket holders, season ticket holders, ticket buyers. Oh, yeah, that was a big baseball thing. That was a big, uh, yeah, big baseball thing. More so baseball than football, but I see a couple teams like the Packers are doing it, and uh, Murphy, their president, said, don't ask me about Aaron Rodgers. It's not me. Gutenkunst isn't with us here. It's not on me. It'll work in itself. He's, like, refusing to answer questions on it, and Baltimore's doing one. And they refuse to answer questions about Lamar Jackson and the like. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles are refusing to answer questions about everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, would, would about the third me. string tight end, never mind the quarterback. Do they even do one? Do they no. try and get out to the Lehigh Valley to suck in more ticket holders and the like? Do they have one of those? Not that I know of. Yeah, nor um, do I. They, uh, you know, Devontae Smith is going to have his, a, uh, his mm-hmm. charity softball game again. In Allentown, I don't know why he does it in Allentown, but he he second straight year he's doing it in Allentown. So, um, but as far as team, yeah, and certainly Howie's not going out there. If that's what you're saying, um, you know, they do a lot of community stuff at the Novacare Complex. Right. They, no, they, I'm they talking about them. taking it on the road. I didn't think they did anything like that. I, and I, not that I know of, but. Uh, I don't pay that much attention. Now, if Howie was talking, I'd pay attention yeah. to it, but um, I, I don't, I don't know of anything like that. Might Just be a player or two that goes out and does something. Um, other than that, I know. I by know. the way, the Eagles. Let's be, let's be completely honest about this. You do it when you need to do it, and the Eagles don't need <laughs> to do point. it because they sell out every yeah. single game. They're coming off a Super Bowl season. They sure as hell don't have to do it this year. I'm just yeah. wondering because I saw a couple teams have that caravan-type thing uh, going. All right, that uh, should be a good one again tomorrow. Matt Manicharian, who was supposed to be on with us yesterday. I texted with him yesterday um, after the fact. He was ready to come on at 9.20. He thought it was 9.20 P. He, he he forgot that ah, so there we was go. a morning yeah. show when I texted him and said, hey, what happened? He goes, Jody, I got it right here on my calendar, 920p. I, my bad. He thought uh, it was come on, a nice Matt, Matt's yeah. been on the show every year. He's yeah, got to remember. I mean, he kind of yeah. goofed up, and he was very apologetic, and he said he will get up early with us and join us 820. That's AM Manicharian. That's 820 tomorrow morning. We expect to hear to talk some uh, draft analytics. I mean, you know what that means? We made a big impression on Matt. He doesn't remember when we're on. We made a huge impression. No, and I went back and checked the te- the text I sent to him, and it did say A. So yeah, he, he apologized. And uh, looking forward to having him in tomorrow early. And then Rob Marty, who hasn't been on in a month, we yeah. usually drag Marty on once Rob. every two or three yeah. weeks. It's been yeah. since I think before the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, we haven't had Marty on. So yeah, it's, it's been, been too uh, long. Nobody's more plugged into to the league than Rob. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to talk to Rob. The Mighty Man will join us uh, in our 920A spot tomorrow. So, uh, Johnny Mac, we got a good one planned. I plan on being here. You plan on being here? 
Yeah, day to day, but yeah, I'm uh, got a big upside, so I'll be here. Bijan, 365. Well, and, and hey, we didn't do as much Bijan today as we did yesterday. We'll see about tomorrow. Uh, we expect you all back here tomorrow. On your way out the door, hit the like button. Come on. Take care of you boys, Mac and Mac. We're coming back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.